Pass First Point Guard and Trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. In today's show, we are joined by veteran NBA reporter Howard Beck, who you can read on GQ and you can see all over the Locked On Podcast Network this time of year. Howard, how are you doing? Doing great, Mike. How are you? I am doing well. We are, uh, you know, we had planned out this podcast a little bit, sent some sent some emails uh, back and forth, and then Damian Lord got on a podcast and talked about changing teams. So we're going to change up our plan a little bit. I want to talk about the number three pick. I want to talk about what the Blazers should do armed with this shiny off-season toy to make really big decisions with. Um, but let, I guess let's start with the rumors, Howard. Let's just feed the beast. <laughs> it's not what I wanted. On a on a <laughs> podcast today, Damian Lillard made an appearance uh, and was asked sort of a, to address in general the rumors and his situation, et cetera, et cetera, about what his future might be. And he mentioned that he'd be interested in playing with the Miami Heat. He'd be interested in playing with the Brooklyn Nets as well. How much this time of year, we're recording this in the morning of June 7th, this time of year with this stage and sort of where the Blazers are, where Damon Lord are, how much credence should we give to this type of thing? Well, if it's just unsourced reporting, anonymous rumors, whatever, like not to dis miss any of that but those are things you place in one category all right oh there's rumblings of this potential deal or rumors of the blazers are open to or dame is open to the that is one category of stuff this is damian lillard himself speaking for himself um on the record with brian custer of showtime sports and so like this is not one where you just like oh this is just chatter no this is damian lillard himself saying when the question was posed to him by Brian Custer. Hey, and he listed four teams. Uh, hey, when you hear um, rumors of Damian Lillard to the Knicks, to the Nets, to the Celtics, to the Heat, those are the four teams that Brian Custer mentioned. What do you think? Or which would you pick? And what surprised me is that in most cases, a guy is going to say, uh, you know, because they don't want to, they don't want to feed the frenzy. They're going to say, hey, look, great respect for all those teams. I'm focused on being a trailblazer or um, listen, um, you know, I don't know what the future may be. I'm happy where I am, whatever. And then maybe the interviewer will try to pin you down. All right, but just hypothetical. I'm not saying you're going to go there. You're not committing to anything, but if you had to pick one, he didn't have to nudge him, prod <laughs> anything. He just, Dame went straight to Miami, obviously. That was his quote, Miami, obviously. And then he says, uh, I'm reading, uh, I transcribed a little bit. He says, Bam is my dog for real. So he's talking about Bam Adebayo and why he loved to, why Miami was first. Um, there's more to the clip that was than that was on uh, Twitter, which is where I'd first seen it. I, so I went to, to, uh, to YouTube to watch the rest of this. And he follows up by saying, and I'm quoting again, Brooklyn is another obvious one because Miguel Bridges is my dog too. Uh, and both have capable rosters. So what he's saying is, and he talked about this earlier in the discussion with Brian Custer, that you don't, when you're thinking about getting traded and you're thinking about trying to obviously improve your situation, you don't want to go somewhere where you either have no, where you have a, a, a bad supporting cast or where, or where they have to trade so much to get you that there's nothing left for you to join. Right. And I think what he's saying in both cases is, hey, Miami can make this deal and still have enough around uh, me when I get there, Brooklyn can make this deal. And I, I agree. I think both of those, uh, 
things are true. Um, so what's what's newsworthy to me um, is that Damian Lillard did not just bat this away and that he pretty enthusiastically named those two teams based on um, obviously everything, but chiefly Bam being in one place, a guy he'd want to play with. I'm sure he wouldn't mind playing with Jimmy either. Um, and Mikhail Bridges in, in Brooklyn. And these teams do have the assets to pull this off. The Nets have all those extra picks they got from Phoenix and the Kevin Durant deal and one from Dallas that they got in the Kyrie Irving deal. They've got all these other pieces. Um, it, it It's possible, I, but I would just say this. It's June 7th as we record this. Um, finals are underway. Draft still a couple weeks off. I, I've always believed that if Damian Lillard was going to be traded, it would be because Damian Lillard said it's time. Yep. And that the, the trailblazers would not do this on their own. It's June 7th and we have not heard any, any inkling that Damian Lillard is leaning toward a trade request, demand, suggestion, anything. And so part of me thinks if, it, if, it, if this was going to be the year where it happened, we'd kind of have an inkling of it by now. And, and we don't, but then again, I remember this. June 30th of last year, I believe, was the date that Kevin Durant, six weeks after being knocked out of the playoffs or something along those lines, suddenly out of the blue decides he wants to be traded. Like he could have he could have thrown down those gauntlets at any time and he waited um, until the eve of free agency. So um, a lot can happen and certainly a lot can happen in the next couple of weeks leading into the draft and on draft night itself. Uh, and then the last thought on that is just simply that the Trailblazers – have to know by then. They need a direction by then. And we'll get into that, obviously. But you got to know going into draft night whether you want to use that pick for yourself or whether you're picking for somebody else. Um, they, don't, you, that they need clarity soon. Yeah, I would say to your point, when Dame speaks, trust him. Last year, um, this wasn't on The Last Stand. I'll link the uh, YouTube video and the, and the show, uh, The Last Stand on Showtime. I'll link it in the episode description for this episode that Howard is referencing with uh, Brian Custer, the interview that Dame did. But last year, Dame did a similar, uh, it was like heading into the season. He did a similar kind of like video thing on, um, I'm, I'm forgetting the show off the top of my head now. But they said, who would you like to play with? Are there any guys you want to play with in the league? And instead of saying like, oh, you know, you'd love to play with the stars like Giannis Antetokounmpo or like, you know, pipe dreams that are things that are unrealistic. He said Jared Vanderbilt and OG Ananobi. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, he, he He's got his guys. Two, He's, he did yeah, he who picked he people like that the Blazers absolutely pursued down the line, right? Like he was telling yeah. that was as true as it could be. He said, I, who do you want to play with? And he picked like, you know, multi-positional defender role players. Oh, guys yeah. I'd love to play with are like, uh, you know, gettable players on other teams. So when he yeah. says, who, you know, where can you see yourself? And he mentions Brooklyn and Miami. It's real. Like he, at least it, not to the point where it's like, this is a trade demand, but as the point is where Damian Lillard has considered the possibility that things change. And he has two destinations in mind. If things change, <laughs> it's, it, I think it's been clear, and, and you were on last time you were on the show, a friend of the program, Howard Beck. Last time you were on the show was prior to the um, prior to the, the draft lottery. Uh, so we didn't know the Blazers had the number three pick, which is what we're going to talk about here in a second. But at the time, it was like, it seemed pretty clear from Dame's comments at X interviews that it was he wants them to pursue veteran talent or perhaps make the tough decision to end the era. And like you said, it's, he's, he's not going to get traded unless he says it's time. But there is a big decision to be made with three because if they feel like they can't pass up 
a young player at three, it might signal the end of of this era just because because of Dame's preferences. Not because of animosity or any of those things, but because he's been super clear and he doesn't want to get Carmelo Anthony. He doesn't want to get traded to the Knicks and have all the other good players go the other direction. He knows what the deal is. So um, I, I didn't want to do this. Like I, I straight up, I'll tell my listeners. I didn't want to start the show talking about Dame trade stuff. It's like, it's not my, not my cup of tea personally, but um, I think there is some teeth to this in that it is a real honest response from Damian Lillard. The question is what the heck are they going to do at three Howard? <laughs> Yeah, and this is why I say they need clarity. So um, far be it for me to tell Joe Cronin or anybody else there how to operate, but I I think this is common sense. If you haven't already had the conversation, you need the heart-to-heart with Dame between now and the and the draft. Like, where where are you? Where are you really? And, and maybe even in the wake of these comments uh, to Brian Cust, um, you know, do you – do you do you feel you do have enough clarity as an organization or, or do you need to really pin this down right now and if there's any ambiguity this is the time to do it right dame where do you want to be do you still want to be here should we go all in do you really want us to trade the third overall pick you know a guy who you know whoever we may get there we'll talk about those options but like this is somebody who could help you and also bridge to the next generation once once you've retired um but that guy might not be ready to win right away. And they're 20, they're the 20 way, years old, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and it and it might be a guy who might be a little duplicative of of, of position and, and skill set and whatever. So we need clarity. Um, because I think there are, you know, look, there's multiple options, but there's two pretty clear ones, right? The two most yeah. obvious directions are keep the pick, use it, trade dame, rebuild, go young, and and now rebuild around maybe it's Scoot Henderson. Um, the other option, of course, is trade the pick, get the veteran help that Dame needs, figure out what to do. Can you trade Nurkic? Are you re-signing Jeremy Grant? Figure out all the other stuff with the veterans and go all in and say, you know what? You've been loyal. We've been loyal. We want to, let's finish this out. Let's, let's, let's go all in, screw the future. Let's just figure out how to do, be the best team we can be around Damian Lillard for the next, whatever it is, two, three, four, five years, whatever he's got left. And, you know, those decisions are difficult, right? We've seen the Warriors on a different level struggle with this, right? Like right. different in that, obviously, they didn't have to worry about just trying to get back to the playoffs. Although, frankly, they did have a couple of years out there, but there were circumstances surrounding that. But the Warriors always had their core. But because they had the injuries, suddenly they've got lottery picks. They make the Wiggins deal. That got them that other lottery pick for Minnesota. So suddenly you're bringing Kuminga and Moody. And, of course, the, the, the really bad year they get Wiseman. I, I believe the whole time. I've been consistent on this. I believed the whole time, forget the picks, forget the future, trade, even before it became Wiseman, even before the picks became Moody and Kaminga, I thought they should have traded them for veteran help because that's what you do when you have a core of a championship team that has life left in it. Um, Worry about the future when you get there. And I have have felt the same thing here. I thought maybe we even discussed this the last time I was on. I thought they should have traded the pick that became Shaden Sharp. Um, And he's turned out to be pretty good. And I know like every... The impression I get is that they absolutely want to hold on to him, even if they do uh, start to, to, even if they're going all in on, on on keeping Dame and trying to win now, they still think that Shaden is about is 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 ready to do that right now and help them win right now. Um, but I I do think that 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 third pick is an incredible valuable incredibly valuable piece for them, and I the one option I don't endorse personally 
is is the that middle option where you're like, we're not trading Dame or the pick. We're going to make the pick, and we're just going to try to figure it out. I, I I don't know that that is a viable path. I think I think you've stuck yourself in the middle there. You're you're, you're trying to straddle two realities, and I don't think it's going to work out. And, and and again, back to the Warriors, they had a finally trading Weissman to get, you know, Gary Payton the second. We don't need to go down that path um, on this podcast. Um, but but th- there was a, a, a reckoning there where it was like, you know what? It's going to take too long. Weissman may become a great player, but it, it can't be here. We have the present to worry about. And given Lillard's age, I, you know, to me, it's, it's the same kind of calculus. It's a little different because the Blazers have the core of a seventh place team. Right. They yes. don't have a championship core. It is. It is. So it, it makes even that the matters. road that they're trying to navigate even harder. Uh, let's let's talk about Scoot Henderson. Let's talk about Brandon Miller. Let's talk about fit and future and all that in the second segment. But before we do that, I want to tell my listeners that right now the Timbers play on Sunday here in Portland against uh, FC Dallas. And you can get in the stadium and sit upstairs in that beautiful East Club level for under 60 bucks. Right now, there is a flash deal on the Game Time app. 48 bucks to sit upstairs in that Eastern side. You're looking at the sunset as the game's tips off on, or kicks off, excuse me, on Sunday afternoon. If you want to spend a little more money, you can spend 56 bucks and get a couple rows lower. You can get in the stadium for under $30. All of that available on the Game Time app. It's what they do. It's what they do. They get you deals on what you want to see. So whether it's sports or concerts or live comedy or live theater, whatever you're going to, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps in your set. And plus they're sent directly to your phone. Bing, bang, boom. You got your tickets and you're going to see what you want to see. So download the game time app and create an account and use the promo code locked on NBA for $20 off your first purchase. You can snag those tickets without the stress with using game time terms apply again, create an account. Use the redemption code locked on NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. Still Jan here with Howard Beck. Who do you like between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller? Uh, there's probably no wrong answer, but let's talk just in a vacuum first. What do you make of these two? Because that's the Blazers basically, that's who they're going to be choosing between. Um, yeah. I have my listeners, for, for those of you who listen every day, you didn't listen the last couple of days because I was on vacation. Scoot Henderson worked out for the Blazers on Saturday while I was gone. That's what happens when you leave town is some stuff generally pops up in your world. Brandon Miller, I assume, will work out for them in the next couple of weeks. We're about two weeks out from the draft. The choice is going to come down to Scoot or Brandon Miller. Who do you like and why do you like him, Howard? I think the uh, lesson here, Mike, is that you should not take time off. You you just don't leave town. Things happen. I so know. You, I you wanted to just... take – I got a young child. I want to take her visit her grandparents. And as soon as yeah, you do that, you pay the price. No. No, no, uh, family, family's got to take a back seat. It's, you know, that's, it's June. You can't do that. Uh, I do not mean that by any stretch. Um, so, uh, two things on, on the scoot versus Brandon Miller discussion. Um, one, I'm not a draft expert, so I'm, I, I'm always going to wade cautiously, uh, right. on the, on player A versus player B stuff in, in the draft Two, It's probably not their choice unless they were looking to move up. Right. Like it Charlotte is Charlotte's is make choice. decision. Yeah. yeah, Charlotte's going to make this decision for them most likely. Um, and who knows, Charlotte could trade out of that spot too. And so maybe it is, you know, mystery team to be named later right. that is making that call. Somebody may be jumping up to two to take Scoot 
or, or Brandon Miller. Um, people, there, there's differing impressions out there, but I do think there is a sense that maybe that the Hornets are leaning in the direction of Miller. Um, maybe because of positional fit and concerns about Scoot and, and LaMelo. Uh, I know Scoot has, has said very emphatically, we could play together. Um, he may be right. You know, it, it's always kind of hard to tell until you actually get guys together, but they've both got size. And so it's not, it wouldn't be a worry of having like the, 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 the really undersized backcourt, which we've seen that uh, be problematic for teams at times, including the Blazers. Yeah. Who? Um, <laughs> can't imagine. Um, so, so there's that we don't like, someone's going to fall to them or, or the decisions will be made for them. And, and, and when, if they're, if they haven't traded the pick, then on draft night, it's going to come to them and either scoot is going to be there or Brandon Miller is going to be there. And, you know, maybe they'll have a better sense by then of where the teams ahead of them are leaning. I mean, we know when is number one, but maybe we'll have a better sense by then of whether or not Charlotte is, has a leaning or whether Charlotte's dealing the pick to somebody else who has a specific, you know, player in mind there. Um, if I'm, let's go the rebuild scenario for a minute. If sure. I'm rebuilding, I want scoot. Same. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, like to me in, in, in today's NBA or maybe, maybe the NBA of any era, I want to start with a guy who is, um, not just an outstanding scorer, which I think scoot is going to be at this level, but scorer and playmaker i want somebody i can build around and when i say build around like yeah could you build around various positions of various skill sets sure but um you know the nuggets are what they are right now in the finals because Jokic, unusually for his position is this consummate incredible playmaker who makes everybody else around him better the heat are there because jimmy butler despite not again not being a point guard he's not even we've never even really called him a point forward though we probably should he has been the primary hub of the heat's offense uh for a lot of the time you know they, they run a lot of stuff through bam also and you know they do have nominal point guards but having your superstar be a guy who can score at a high level when needed who can score in a variety of ways obviously who's got some leadership capabilities but also who is selfless and wants everybody else around him to succeed that's Jokic, that's Butler, that's the NBA Finals right now. I'm biased in this case because a couple of years back, I went and spent a bunch of time with Scoot Henderson and his family down in Marietta, Georgia for a feature story that I did for Sports Illustrated. So I know Scoot and his family and his path in a way that I don't, Brandon Miller. So what I know of them, I know of Scoot, I, I, like every, everything to me is is like all, all incredibly positive signs. Um, right. All the th and it's a lot of the intangibles you want to check off, right? Like we, the thing we don't know about rookies on the on day one, and that's why teams still screw up the draft is you see a talent outline, you do your best to try to figure out if, how the, the guy is built mentally and their character, and you put them through the psychological tests and all this, and yet you still end up with teams, and interestingly, you know, or, or teams picking guys uh, who who fall into this category that Demar Derozan pointed out recently on a podcast where he said fifty percent of the players in the NBA don't love basketball. And Pat Beverly said that recently on a different podcast, I think on his own. Um, I'm not worried about that with Scoot Henderson. I'm right. Kid loves, eats, sleeps, breathes basketball. He's got an incredible family around him. He's a high character guy. Um, he's 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 kind of low key as a personality, but you can see the leadership qualities there as well. Um, and I, look, I met him. He was still like 17. And was was uh, had just finished what was uh, his junior year of high school and was now skipping his senior year of high school to go straight to the to the ignite. Not skipping. He graduated early. That's also right. how dedicated he is. He like doubled up his classes. He did all this stuff. 
And even then, I saw him in the in the gym, shirt off, and went, holy crap, he looks like an NBA player right now. In fact, he's in better shape than a lot of NBA players. Dude was just built. And he's had a couple of years now of working uh, in the G League with the Ignite, playing for them, and working on on you know his body and, and getting that much more NBA ready. I know he's worked really hard on his outside jumper as well, which has been, you know, something that scouts have, have flagged as, as maybe a concern. Um, any of the concerns teams would have about is a guy going to work? Does he care? Does he committed all this stuff? I, those are things like from my experience uh, in the limited time I had around Scoot and his family, not worried in the least. So uh, I don't know any of those things about Brandon Miller having not spent the time. Um, so, so there's, like I say, there's, there's the, it's not it's not a bias based on anything other than you know my reporting experience um but uh i would i would definitely want to build around scoot and you know look brandon miller might become an, an, an incredible nba player and we've certainly seen players at that position too many notable ones become the hubs of their teams um as, as scorers and playmakers um i just don't know enough about him yeah i think i lean scoot as well i am also a total draft novice like i start paying attention in may um I don't, so it's like oh yeah i'm We've gonna got plenty I, of nba stuff to watch the yeah rest of i'm gonna yeah. figure it out like you know may may 15th or whatever when the blazers get eliminated i'm gonna become a draft expert um so you you mentioned this and, and i want to get back to it it seems like the blazers have to pick a path but the signals yes. right now they are sending is that they'll go right down the middle howard they don't give it they don't give a hoot they are the the sort of um, what is coming out from many, many sort of the newsbreakers and what I prefer to call them news brokers in the league. Um, it is, it is, it is that the Blazers are comfortable with keeping three if they don't get blown away by a trade offer out there. And that is public posturing, right? That is saying like, stop, stop calling us with your weak stuff. Like three is a really good pick. Call us with, you know, call us when yeah. the deal is for real. But if, if they call your bluff, and you end up on the clock with no Dame trade and three, why don't you like that for, for specifically the Blazers and maybe NBA teams at large? Why Why is the middle route that the Blazers are signaling a problem for you? Or it wouldn't be. Yeah, listen, it wouldn't be if Dame were five years younger. Right. Um, but he's, you know, he's at a stage of his career where, and by the way, like statistically and by some of the advanced stats, he had not just his greatest season, but one of the best seasons um, in, in recorded history. Yeah, he was uh, arguably just, the best offensive player in the NBA last year. Like he was better yeah. than Luka Doncic and better, like by some numbers, better than Nikola Jokic, who probably should have won a third yeah. MVP. Like he was great. So if you look at that and you say, you know what? He's not slowing down. He's got he's got some miles left, you know, significant miles left. And we should, you know, um, let's 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 keep Dame. In, an, in, a, in, a, in a Trailblazers uniform until the day he retires, as he's always talked about, as we've always wanted. Um, greatest player in franchise history. You know, we're not ready to do this. Let, and and he's, he's certainly shown he's still capable of leading a team deep in the playoffs if he's got the right supporting cast. Okay, great, cool. Um, he will be 33 in July. And, you know, history suggests, physics suggests that, there's still a, a, a horizon coming, right? Like, right. like I, I don't know if it's two years, three years, whatever. But it's, it's probably more. It's probably more closer to, to three than five, right? Like it's, when you're 36. It's for the first time, it's clearly finite. For the like, you know, yeah. when, when you're 26, it's it's not like this. When you're when you're 32, yeah. even if you're excellent, it's finite. You have X number of years remaining. 
And so that being the case, you have to ask yourself, how realistic is it that we can rebuild around him and, and compete at a high level and have a plausible, plausible um, case to make to be a contender while he is still playing at this level, which may only be two or three more years. So, all right. So then you start looking at all the, the, the levers you can pull and you look at who you've got and you go, well, are we going to get there with Dame Simons, Nurkic, da, 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 this whole, no, that roster, not, not good enough. All right. How many of these pieces do we have to change out? How quickly can we change them out? How, how good are the upgrades that we're going to be able to make? What is Anthony Simons worth if, if we, if we trade him, what, you know, what's the team willing to give us? Um, you know, is, is Jeremy Grant worth, you know, the contract that he may be asking for? It will, is, will somebody take Nurkic off our hands? And if they do, can we be, get back enough value uh, that we can parlay it into a true rim protector? Like I, I, there's just so many different things they need to do to make this team viable that just saying we're going to use the third pick and keep Dame suggests to me that you you're still straddling this awkward middle and and yeah, listen, I, I'm not sure if Scoot and Dame make sense or not. I the like you know, the, the Blazers have have had various versions of Scoot or of uh, Dame and CJ, Dame and Anthony Simons. Like they keep going with this. Do it again. Know, all, Run it back. Oh, Dame and Scoot. Over, let's do it. Over indexed on and listen, Scoot is a different player than both of those guys, and oh, and oh. has a much higher upside than both those guys, and is just bigger and stronger. And there's like it would be different. I don't want to say that it's the same thing. But it's the same thing in the abstract in that you are over-indexed on guards who are the entire offense. And I don't think there's any recent history in the NBA to suggest that that's a path to the championship. That's not the way the Heat are built. It's not the way the Nuggets are built. It's not the way the Warriors were built. Um, it, it's not the way anybody's built. And and you just, you know, to the extent that this is, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a payroll investment issue, although it's not when you have a, a, a rookie on a rookie deal. But you you need to have the talent and the payroll and everything else kind of spread across the rotation and, and the starting lineup. I just don't know that over-indexing on guards is is the right path. Now, maybe Brandon Miller ends up being the guy and Scoot gets taken by Charlotte. Right. And and now you're talking, okay, well, are, do Brandon Miller and Shaden Sharp make sense together? Um, I, I just think there's so many different things that need to be done, so many uh, – holes to fill in the roster to get to contender status that I just don't know if you can get there with that middle path. You can get there by trading the pick. You can get right. there by trading the pick and or Anthony Simons and or maybe even Shaden Sharp. I know that that's heresy at this stage, but there you have all these different levers to pull if you want to go all in on a veteran cast around Dame right now. You have levers to pull if you want to go all in on a rebuild by trading Dame and using the third pick. The only one that is complicated and maybe too complicated to even try to pull off is that middle path where you use the pick, keep the pick, keep Dame, and 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 try to just kind of push forward. It might work, but I feel like that's got the the, the lowest percentage of, of success. Do you think they're lying? Or do you think this is just public posturing? You know, do you think the Blazers are going to pick a path? Or do you or do you buy that if whoever Brooklyn, Toronto, whoever it might be, doesn't pony up that they say, you know what? Sorry, we got to do it. Do you buy that the middle path is viable or the, not viable? Cause clearly you don't think it's viable, but do you buy that they would, would, would try to go down that road? Given their recent history, I, I can't rule out that they might just stick themselves in the middle again. 
They've, yep. they've, they've, this is where they've been for years. They were, and then granted, there's been some changeover. Now Cronin was there with Neil O'Shea, but like, uh, you know, Neil O'Shea refused to break up that backcourt for years when the entire rest of the league thought their best way forward was to, to cash out on CJ and, and, you know, try to, uh, you know, rearrange the roster around Dame in a way that made more sense. And that, you know, again, wasn't over-indexed on undersized guards. So they've been doing that. You'd think by now the franchise from top to bottom would have learned from that experience. And I think they probably have. Yeah, my guess is that they're bluffing. My, or not bluffing. Same. My guess is that it is posturing that you are you you need to send every single possible that you're not interested in dealing that pick unless you're getting the best possible payout, whatever that may be. And um, look, I, it was suggested to me yesterday by somebody else in the league, and this is not a trade rumor. Don't aggregate it, folks. It's, it was just you know a, a, a discussing stuff with a, another team exec, and we were talking about like he he threw out the possibility of, and I can't remember how many different pieces were in this, but it was the basic outline of it. Of course, was um, the the number three pick, assuming that it's Scoot, uh, and maybe even Simons to the Nets four bridges and whatever other stuff that, that is being thrown in on either side of this thing. Right. And like, you could see the start of something there, right. The outline of something, a, a, a team with Damian Lillard, Mikhail Bridges, especially with the, the offensive, uh, you know, diversification that we saw in his game last season, especially after he arrived in Brooklyn, you know, Dame plus Mikhail Bridges, plus, you know, maybe bringing back Jeremy Grant plus whatever else they can do trading Nurkic. You, you get the outline of something, something promising there. And it makes sense. And it would make sense from the Nets standpoint because Bridges is, I think is 26, 27. Like you're not, 26, I don't yeah. think that, I don't think the Nets are rebuilding around Mikhail Bridges as good as he looked. He's not going to be like the, 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 the franchise star. He's probably a one, a to, to somebody else or one B to somebody else. So he'd be great next to Dame. Um, but it, it makes sense for the Nets to then be able to pick up a guy like Scoot Henderson and maybe, Simons as well and and have the start of a young core to build with in addition to all the, the picks that they that they have to use um so like something like that makes a lot of sense uh but the Blazers may be saying we you know we're gonna need more we're gonna maybe they start asking for some of those Suns picks you know and maybe the Nets don't want to do that maybe those right. discussions have already happened for all we know and and that's where this this is and maybe you know like the Heat are in no position to make those uh to, to be discussing that right now in the middle of the finals but um there's a lot of time left between now and the draft for those discussions to happen. Um, if I had to guess, my guess would be they're keeping Damian Lillard and they're trading the pick. That to me seems like the most logical thing and the most logical read of the tea leaves to date, which is that there are no tea leaves to read on a Dame trade. That's you, you anticipated my final question. So we'll get you out of there on that. I think the real thing to know here is that there's going to be five minutes when the Blazers are on the clock and Charlotte or Indiana or whoever has whoever's taken two after this second pick happens that will probably decide the Blazers' direction over the next half decade. They can't really do anything till they know who's there at three because even all of the discussions they have probably hinge on it. I want it. If Scoot's there, yes. If Brandon Miller's there, no. Or if Brandon Miller's there, yes. Scoot there, no. Like whatever team that they're dealing with. Or on the Blazers' end, they say, it's not there for us. Scoot's sitting right there. This is the direction. They're going to have five minutes on draft night, June 22nd, that are going to be fascinating in terms of, of making their decision. And, and we'll see. 
We'll see. Just to complicate things further, how about this scenario? Um, Scoot is the key to making whatever deal they're going to make to fortify around Dame, but they're not sure Scoot's going to be there. And Charlotte plays coy. Now we involve. Now it's now it is a trade where they have to move up to two to ensure getting Scoot. And do you have the assets to do that, or is that asset coming from the other team that you're making a deal with, uh, who is who is you know helping you move up to get to two so that you can then draft Scoot to send to that team? <laughs> I don't know. There's there's yeah, a lot, there, but there there are a lot of possibilities. And by the way, it's not even just that. Like I think if as you look down, uh, the 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 lottery order, you know, do the Pistons really want to stay at five when they've already got a bunch of young guys? Do they want to trade? Do you know? Do they want to? Do they want to pull back? Um, would somebody want to move up uh, to get that pick and then use that pick to get up further to get to two or three? Like there are other teams that could be angling to get to two or three. Yeah. Um, would Houston to, to jump, leap- would, would Houston leapfrog up to two and try to, and, and go that route because they actually don't want James Harden and they want to go super young. Well, I think, I think uh, more likely, I think Houston's another one at four where they're going to, they might, might want to move back. Um, right. So there are teams that I think might want to move back or out because they've already got their young guys and they need to start, you know, getting veterans around them. I just think there's going to be, and look, not all these teams that I'm mentioning are ones that necessarily would jump up to, to try to get Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, but like, there's just a lot of volatility, I think, in the top of the draft because there's so many of these teams that they've already got their youth, right? Like, do they need yet another 19-year-old, um, or or are they ready to make an you know an all-in move to try to get veterans? Um, or conversely, maybe they've got a bunch of young guys and none of them are the guy, and they want to jump up to get Scoot. In which case, their their packaging, you know, are, could the Rockets be packaging the number four pick? And one of their young guys to get up to two, like I, I don't know. I think I think I think all of those things are possible right now. And you could say that about every draft, but I think especially this draft. Exactly, which means that the Blazers' position is both advantageous and incredibly precarious because there are a bunch of people who might be hunting to leapfrog them, and some of it is out of their control. Or like you said, they got to throw stuff in the pot to make sure it is in their control. Going to be a fascinating couple of weeks. Howard, thanks so much for joining the show. Always a pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. Dear listeners, come back for more this week. Raphael Barlow, uh, NBA Big Board, is going to be on the show on Friday. we got a couple other shows. I'm back from vacation. Uh, kids seen her grandparents. She doesn't need to see them for a few months, so we'll be here making podcasts. Tell your friends about the show. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>